Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. What are we going to talk about today? Today we're talking about injured, getting injured, and not getting injured. Mm-hmm. So let's take a second to define first, like, what's actually injury. I think yeah. there's a lot of people that don't understand what it is. Yeah, we kind of have three or four different categories that injuries or boo-boos can fall into. Mm-hmm. First one's just like, you just hurt yourself, right? That's like a very minor thing that mm-hmm. like, that's going to happen no matter what. Every sport you play, any day of the week, anything you're doing, there's a chance you're going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. That could be like walking up the stairs and you slip and you bang your shin on the stairs. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not like, injured. Ouch. You hurt yourself and it sucks, but like mm-hmm. it'll, it'll take care of itself pretty quickly, usually within a day or even less. Yeah. And that's like in CrossFit, you rip your hands, you eat it on a box jump and you know, rip your shin or whatever. It's like, yeah, that you're hurt and that sucks, but you're not like injured. Yeah. yeah. Just little aches and pains where it's like, even you finish a workout and you're like, ah, my shoulder's like a little twingy or something, but then you wake up the next day and it's fine. You're like, okay, that was, I just hurt myself a little bit, but not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Next step would be like a minor injury. So that might be something that happens and you feel it, but it's definitely something that's going to take care of itself. You know, like mm-hmm. you're doing a squat and you're like, Oh, my knee. And then you're like, okay, I don't, I don't think I can squat anymore for today. But then you give it like a day or two or maybe even a week. And then it like just kind of takes care of itself. You know, mm-hmm. you can still train around it. You just can't maybe do a movement or mm-hmm. variety of different things, but it sort of takes care of itself. I'll give you an example there. I hurt my foot at the CrossFit games in one of the prep days on the judges team. We ran the Helen thing. A lot of times I was wearing stupid shoes that I shouldn't have run in. And I hurt one of the bones in the bottom of my foot. Mm-hmm. And it hurt for seven or eight weeks after. Like, yeah. I obviously did something to it. But it didn't require medical attention. It got better on its own. It just required me being not an idiot and not pushing it too hard. So it was just, like, a few things I didn't do for a couple months. Lunges was one because I couldn't bend my back foot. Double unders didn't want to put a lot of pressure on the ball of my foot. So that's, like, a minor injury. Didn't require me to take any days off training. Didn't require any medical attention. Yeah. Got better on its own. Just have to avoid a few movements or be careful with it or whatever. Yeah, just be smart. I did the same thing doing butterfly pull-ups at the CrossFit Games. I felt my lat go out, and this is like a injury that had happened before. And as soon as it happened, I could tell. And I was like, oh, nope, done. No more pull-ups for me today. And it Mm -hmm. it took a while to recover, but I could still do plenty of other stuff. And I didn't didn't need treatment. I didn't need surgery. It was nothing major. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we'd move on to like chronic injuries and these can exist for a few different reasons. People might come to CrossFit with a chronic injury from maybe an accident. Maybe they were in a car accident and some major injury that never fully heals. More often than not, we see it as like a, oh, I have a bad knee or oh, I have a bad shoulder. And it's just like always bad and it's not getting any better. It's this like chronic pain, chronic limiter kind of thing. And it'll come and go. You'll, you'll be fine for a while and then you'll, you'll wake up in the morning and be like, oh, my back is bugging me again. And it's just kind of back and forth, back and forth. And it's not that you can't get rid of it. It's just that it tends to come and go and always cause you problems. Mm-hmm. And I I think that kind of bridges us into the last one, which is a major injury. Mm-hmm. So major injuries tend to happen in acute something, like you blow your Achilles or you rupture a disc in your back or you rupture your bicep tendon or something immediate and very bad happens. It requires medical attention, requires surgery and requires time off from training. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of acute injuries are actually the final straw of chronic injuries that people didn't respect and attend to. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. So they were things that were brewing. And then all of a sudden there's that straw that breaks the camel's back. And now you have a, we went from a chronic injury to a major injury. Yeah couple examples of the major ones like 
a, a few years ago, Brooke Wells blew out her elbow mm-hmm. on doing a snatch, which was an acute thing. It happened on that snatch, mm-hmm. but she'd had plenty of elbow problems before that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, that was just the final breaking point. Yeah. And then one that wasn't probably a, a chronic injury was when Krenikov broke his foot, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't have any issues going into it. It just, it was a weird thing that happened out of nowhere and it broke and that was the end pretty much of, of the competition for him. Mm-hmm. If anybody doesn't nerd out heavily on the CrossFit Games, Roman Krenikov was winning the CrossFit Games this summer and on an event where they had to throw sandbags over a log and then hike themselves over the log. It was like about five or six feet in the air. He was flipping over, flipping himself over the log. And when his foot came down, he just landed funny mm-hmm. and broke one of the bones in his foot. So then he did the final event of the CrossFit Games with one foot on one leg. He did double unders on one leg. And it yeah. was this very like heroic moment. He still ended up finishing in third, still ended up on the podium, even though he broke his foot before the final. So. Yeah. But then came back and crushed it at the Rogue Invitational by October. So yeah, again, he's back at it, back at it. So that was a major injury for him, but also, you know, it did require medical attention. He was immediately x-rayed and they saw what was going on, but just with some rest and recovery, he was fine. I don't think it required surgery or anything like that. Yeah. So the big thing we're going to focus on is the chronic stuff because Mm -hmm. those are the most problematic ones. You know, you can't really avoid getting hurt or like a minor thing here and there. Sometimes they just come out of nowhere and you Mm -hmm. can't really avoid it. The biggest thing we're going to deal with is avoiding those chronic injuries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think getting hurt, as long as you're just not being an idiot and paying attention. Don't try to do too many pull-ups till you rip your hands. That's Mm -hmm. pretty obvious. Yeah. Pay attention to your toes when you do a box jump. You know, pay attention to the plates when you're pulling them off the barbell (laughs) and don't drop them on your feet. Things like that, as long as you're just paying attention. And I'm a very clumsy idiot and have hurt myself (laughs) several times doing, I think all of those things I just listed. So yeah, you can prevent those minor hurt kind of things. And then same thing with minor injuries, just be smart. They kind of happen unpredictably, but when they happen, just be smart and don't turn them into a chronic injury because you can't just work around it or rest that thing properly. Yeah. So in talking about all of, all of this, we've come to the conclusion that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when somebody has a chronic injury, it's not a surprise, right? We see it coming. We kind of know it's, yeah, that, that makes sense when that happens. Yeah. For example, I use myself as an example. When I went down to the CrossFit Games and hurt myself, I had worked out quite a lot in the, in the few days leading up to it. And it was the type of situation where I didn't know what the workout was until the day of. So the day before I had done, done a whole bunch of like strict pull-ups and lat pull-downs and a bunch of like stuff that I was playing around with in the hotel gym. I'd done a bunch of toast bar the day before. And then the next day I went in and it was like a sprinty pull-up workout. So I was doing my butterfly pull-ups and sure enough went. And when that happened, I was like, yep, I've probably done like 200 pulls in the last two or three days. So this is no surprise that I like, I pushed the breaking point too much. Or if somebody has poor mechanics all of the time Mm -hmm. and you're like watching this person deadlift and you're like, Hey, flatten your back. Hey, flatten your back. Hey, flatten your back. And then one day they wake up and their back is sore and you're like, Mm -hmm. "Uh yeah, Yeah. saw that coming. So that brings us to our our next component is like avoiding injury. The number one thing you can do is just move with good mechanics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if we think of getting injured, people think of shitty technique. It's like where our brains go first. So If you wanted to get injured, how to get injured, you just move poorly. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you move with less than ideal technique. Yeah. Putting yourself in the best mechanical positions, 
allow you to produce the most power, but they're also the safest way to use your joints and muscles and connective tissue. So I think that people understand big things like, yes, if you deadlift with a rounded back, you will eventually hurt your back. That's not news, I don't think, to anybody. Mm -hmm. But I think a point I've been trying to hammer home is that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so the last couple of times I've coached push-ups, for example, I'm like, because we've observed every single person I've ever seen in 15 years that has crappy push-ups, i.e. their chest moves separate from their hips, there's movement around the spine, ends up hurting themselves on a deadlift. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that the push-up itself is dangerous if you have poor core control. It's that if you have poor core control on something basic like a push-up, you definitely don't have good core control when you load it up on something like a back squat or a deadlift. So people sometimes feel like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just a push-up. I can worm my way through these. It's no big deal. I won't hurt myself. Like you won't hurt yourself doing that, but you will almost certainly, I will say certainly hurt yourself when you add weight to that. Yeah. It's the same body you're dealing with. You're just doing you're moving it in different ways, but if you move it in a shitty way on one thing, you move it in a shitty way on another thing. Yeah. You know? Or even you're just missing out on opportunities to improve your core stability. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, you're holding a plank the entire time you're doing push-ups. That's a great way to work on your core stability. Yeah. And that'll transfer to when you're doing like heavy back squats or deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, you know, just flopping your way through a bunch of poor push-ups, you are missing out on that opportunity to get stronger mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah, that's what I was telling people the other day. This is the chance for you to build the core strength you need to be able to deadlift heavy safely. Like yeah. when you're doing push-ups, that's the time that you're training that thing. And I think a lot of times people hide behind, you know, well, I can't I can't quite get my back all the way flat. And so, yeah, right now you can't for sure. Mm-hmm. But we should always be working towards the end goal of like eventually we want it to be that your back is able to stay perfectly flat. So mm-hmm. if you train to the point where you're losing even more than normal, now we're, we're kind of going against the positive development here where we're taking a step backwards instead of continuing to move forward. So often when people do a heavy lift, it's their core that's the limiting factor. Their legs have no problem lifting the weight. They mm-hmm. just can't stabilize their spine. And if you continue to lift those weights where you've lost your control of spine, sure, you're getting a little bit stronger in the legs, but you're greatly increasing risking injury through the core. Mm-hmm. And that's just not worth it in the long term. Yeah. And there's lots of, you know, we could get into the specifics of what are the most common ways that we see people have poor mechanics that result in, in chronic injuries, shoulders. A lot of that comes from tightness, right? People that don't work on their proper range of motion of the shoulders. And then they do things like kipping pull-ups where they come Mm. too far forward past the natural end range of the shoulder. You see a little bend of the elbows in the front part results in a little elbow tendonitis or a little bicep tendon or labrum kind of issues. Certainly poor deadlift mechanics, like we talked about poor core control Poor squat mechanics, right, where you don't have good control of the knees, where the knees tend to cave in or they go too far forward. And then the knees, it's not any single squat that will probably be the issue, but it'll be the accumulation of thousands of them done slightly poorly mm-hmm. that will give you sore knees. And then maybe one day it is one single rep. And you, I've yeah. never seen this happen, but maybe potentially you could have like, ah, there goes the ACL or MCL tendon or something like that. Yeah. Ligament, I should say. I think that people often when they're going heavy, they take more time to set up and prep and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's often the like light, fast stuff that people let things get sloppy. Mm-hmm. And you'll even see it at a high level, right? You'll you'll watch, I remember from regionals watching everybody do Randy, which is supposed to be 75 power snatches. And it was just 75 ground to overhead as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of atrocious lifting where it was like a rounded back, heaving press overhead at a super lightweight, very, very fast. And it's like, 
okay, maybe they're a little bit faster, but that's not how they train snatches. You know, that's just mm-hmm. like in the, in the competition when there's money on the line or glowing, gloating points or whatever, they're pushing to maximum, you know, intensity. Mm-hmm. So sure. If you're at the CrossFit games and you need to shave a few seconds off here, then you might see that happen. But by no means should you just be showing up at the gym and training in a way that like causes that type of poor mechanics, you know? Mm-hmm. Athletes in competition are t- taking more risk and yeah. they're being compensated with like winnings or whatever for those risks. So things that you see happen in competition should not be what happens in the gym and the day-to-day training, but also the athletes with the most staying power mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah. Matt Fraser was a great mover. Rich Froning is a great mover. Tia Claire Toomey, other than her max back squats, is a great mover. Mm-hmm. Like you just, if you, those athletes that tend to take those risks more often and move like hot garbage, they just don't tend to have the longevity in the sport because they tend to get injured yeah. <laughs> eventually and burn out. I'm sure they train with good mechanics in their gym most of the time. So they have a bigger buffer to be able to do a crappy movement here or there and not immediately hurt themselves. So when yeah. you do see the occasional rep where you're like, yikes, that was, that wasn't great. Yeah. You know, they certainly are not doing 98% of their reps looking like that. Right. There's a big difference between training and testing. Yeah. Remember Mark Ripito, who was a powerlifting coach said, there's no such thing as a pretty one rep max. Like when you are ab- yeah. lifting your absolute maximum effort, something is going to structurally fall apart, mm-hmm. but you don't do that every day. You, yeah. you, t- you, you hold off until it's testing day. And then like yeah. when that one knee buckles in slightly or your chest leans over just a little bit, it's you've built up the tolerance to it that you can handle it and mm-hmm. you're not going to crash and burn. But when we're training, you need to prioritize good mechanics, work to a level of intensity that allows those mechanics and get stronger mm-hmm. with those good mechanics. One of the hallmarks of a rookie is to max out all the time. Yeah, for sure. A true dedicated to the craft of improving athlete maxes out a couple times a year yeah. at most. Like they don't, they train, not test. Right. But the, the mark of the new person is, ah, I just want to like PRs all the time. Every day is max yeah. out day. You said 80%. I'm going to go 110, you know? And you're <laughs> like, man, well, <laughs> and it, and it's always like innocent to start, right. We'll be, we'll do like a seven by one and they'll do the like recommended percentage of 90% or whatever. They'll be like, well, it's feeling really good. So maybe I'll just try it out. It's yeah. like, yeah, but you can't just max out all the time. Yeah. You know, you have to like train for it and prep for it. And then when those times come, you get a bigger PR and it looks good, feels good and leaves you like wanting more yeah. for next time. I've had this discussion with Atlas numerous <laughs> times lately is that of course he loves lifting heavy things and he's getting strong and has good technique and he's very into the improvement. It's very addicting the PRs and stuff is in this period of time that he's in, but he hadn't deadlifted for a little while. And he's like, I want to max out my deadlift again. I'm like, no, you have to earn a test day. You mm-hmm. have to earn a max out day. You haven't done a deadlift in eight weeks. You have not earned a testing day. Yep. <laughs> you know? And he's like, okay, okay, okay. But he's, he just, of course, wants loves the big weight on the bar. Who doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, but you just have to understand those are earned. You can't just have those on some random day when you haven't trained for it. You haven't built the capacity up to handle a max load. Cause you said there's no such thing as a pretty one rep max. Yeah. The other thing as well that we'll throw on when, when talking about maxes is there's sort of like the life cycle of the CrossFitter, right? When you're young and you're new, you want to test all the time, right? You mm-hmm. want to push the limits and see what you can get, whatever. And then the longer you do this and the older, especially you get, you have that number that, you know, you've hit once and there's a good chance you're not going to be able to hit it again. Mm-hmm due to like life taking over and maybe you haven't been pushing it as much and you're just getting older and whatever. And so when the max days comes up, often the more veteran people will avoid going for that maximum, <laughs> right? Like they'll be like, I'm, I'm not going to push it today. I'm not going to overdo it. 
And it's a little bit of an ego thing where it's, you don't really want to face that you can't lift 400 like you used to be able to, you Mm -hmm. know? But then another easy way to get hurt is trying to still use those old PRs from five years ago when figuring out your percentages and stuff, right? If we're supposed to do a five by five at 75% and you're using a weight that you haven't lifted in four years, Mm -hmm. like that's going to be too heavy. So we need to be like aware of what our limits are when, when, you know, Mm -hmm. using maxes as a reference number. Yeah, for sure. And I like keeping score in CrossFit is the best and the worst, right? The fact that we track what's going on, very rewarding when things are going well, really depressing when things are not going well. But the whole CrossFit thing is check your ego at the door. We need to be able to live in reality of this is just as strong as I am right now. These are the right decisions for me right now. This is how I make good choices. And like, fuck, that's hard. But you know, you have to know what is your current capacity and then you have to train within and below the threshold of that current capacity. And the more you're just taking shots in the dark where you're like, my ego won't let me test a one rep max because I don't want to know the bad news. So I'm also just going to wing it with the the squats or deadlifts I do in the training protocol because I don't actually know what my percentages are. Mm-hmm. That's much worse than yeah. if you could have just checked your ego and just tested properly, know your strength and then train appropriately. Yeah. You would make much more progress. You'd have better longevity, less risk of injury. All that kind of stuff would be, would yeah. be much better. You have what you've earned, right? So if at one point you've back squatted 400 pounds and then every squat Tuesday, you never go above 250 Mm-hmm. and then test day comes up again and you try to squat 400 pounds, that's not going to happen. You know, again. and you're crazy to think that it will. It, you haven't earned that. You've, you've like taken it easy on the squats and so your, your maximum potential has dropped and that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Oh, this section we wanted to talk about was the obvious one of poor mechanics. Mm-hmm. Shoulders, back, knees, probably the big, the big ones. Yeah. The knee is a hinge joint and unfortunately it's, It's like the middle child. It bears the brunt of what's happening above and below it. Rarely is the dysfunction of a painful knee at the knee. It's an inability to use your glutes properly to externally rotate to keep the knee tracking the toe to keep it bending in the right direction, not sideways, but back and forth, Mm -hmm. or the ankle that's too tight and has to have some compensation and some twisting at the knee happens because the ankle is too tight. So tight ankles, poor hip function, results in knee pain. So the problem is most often above and below. Same thing with the spine. Very rarely is the problem at the spine. It's at the hip, right? The hip is the big thing that's supposed to be doing most of the work. And when the hip does the work, you want to use your glutes properly, then your spine doesn't bear as much of the load, right? So it's really important that we know that we have the right flexibility to be in the right positions and that we use the big movers the way we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Don't make the little movers around the back and the spine bear the brunt and don't make the knee take the brunt of poor hip function either. Right. And that like every rep matters from an air squat to you picking up a 45 pound plate off the floor, every rep that you do picking up your kids off the ground and carrying your groceries from Costco and squatting to tie your shoes. Like every rep that you do in your life matters. So the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yep. Move and, well. Yeah. And then if you have pain somewhere, that's a, a guiding light to tell you something. It's information. You're like, why does this hurt? What do I need to do about it? The answer is not, I'm going to ignore it. (laughs) Keep pushing through anyway. You need to self-evaluate. Where am I moving poorly? Where am I applying too much intensity that I haven't earned? And then where can you apply your efforts better to prevent that from happening? There are situations where you move really well, but there's just a limit of the tissues to the amount of volume that they can handle. 
And so this is like what happened to you at the CrossFit Games, right? You have good pull-ups. You have good mechanics. You just had done too many and too close together too many days in a row. So I think that kind of bridges us into the second point of like not enough recovery slash too much volume. That's the two ways of saying the same thing. Right. I squat great, but if I did a thousand air squats in a day, I would have sore joints. Mm -hmm. There's just only so much that those tissues can handle before I would start to cause some damage regardless of how well I moved. Yeah. I think that every tissue has its breaking point and the most obvious ones are hand tears. When you first start doing CrossFit, Mm -hmm. often people will do like a workout with 30 or 40 or 50 pull-ups for the first time and their hands are just mangled afterwards. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Like I can't do a hundred pull-ups. Yeah. You can't do a hundred pull-ups right now and you shouldn't do a hundred pull-ups right now because your, your hands don't have, you know, tissues aren't strong enough. Yeah. You have to build up a tolerance to that. Mm-hmm. There's that one workout where I think Josh Bridges ended up doing 300 chest-to-bar pull-ups in one of these open workouts. It was like a ridiculous amount of pull-ups and his hands were fine, you know? Yeah. So you build up a tolerance over time, but you have to be smart in that process. You can't just go from zero to hundred in a week and mm-hmm. expect results, you know? So when it comes to volume, we've talked before about realistic quantities for different movements and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's such an individual thing, you know, for some people like you, like you could probably handle three times as many pistols as I could handle. Actually probably 10 times. I'm not (laughs) a pistol guy (laughs) and it's fine. So you can't just say, well, 50 pull-ups is good. And that's just a blanket statement for everybody. You have to know yourself. Mm -hmm. So generally like people can feel it coming. And I think like we talked about earlier that the keeping score is the best and worst thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're halfway through a workout and you can tell something's coming. It's like, well, switch it up. Like, who cares about the score on a random Wednesday workout? Mm-hmm. You're just training. Like, you're not testing anything. So let's make good choices and adjust as needed to finish the day on a, on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a fine line and a difficult thing to do in the moment. What's the difference between you being smart and you just being a wiener mm-hmm. and going, this is getting hard. I don't want to do <laughs> this anymore. I'm gonna, I don't want to do burpees anymore. This is probably too many I should switch to something else you're like no it's just hard you're just uncomfortable that's fine versus if I keep doing pull-ups I'm going to rip my hands Mm -hmm. that's a different thing and it's going to inhibit my training for the rest of the week those are kind of the questions you're asking yourself is there any marginal benefit to me from this point forward if I do these extra three rounds of power snatches is it going to make my back so sore I can't train for the rest of the week am I going to rip my hands and it's going to impair my training for the rest of the week like that kind of stuff yeah Those are the questions I ask myself all the time. I want to be able to work out tomorrow. What do I need to be able to do that? And, you know, work out well. And I'll tell you, I quit workouts all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like for better, for worse, I'm sure there's some people that would be critical of that attitude. But I've been able to do CrossFit like pretty injury free for a really long time. Yeah. I've probably left some fitness on the table. You know, there were times where I probably was being a bit of a wiener and could have pushed more. But like, eh. In the overall, I'm pretty darn fit for someone that doesn't work out a lot. Yeah. And I think it's important to know like when to quit and then when just to switch it up, right? Mm -hmm. Like I love the challenge when people come to me right in the middle of the workout and say, hey, my back is getting sore. What can I do instead? Yeah. And like on the fly, I have to be like, okay, and I'll think of something. We'll come up with something creative and allow you to keep doing the thing that you're doing and Mm -hmm. you can still finish a workout. We're just not going to aggravate whatever's going on. Yeah. I think it's a good challenge for the coach to be able to think on the fly like that. So sometimes people come in and be like, my shoulder's a little sore, but I'm just going to try it and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know, if it starts bugging you, let's switch to this, but let's not tough it out. Let's, let's make sure that you're like being aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you just, you have to recognize when like I'm tired and my, 
my body is just mad at me because I've done too many burpees versus like my back is getting really hot right now. And it's like right on one side of my SI joint. Mm-hmm. That's not something you tough it out, you know, yeah. versus my erectors are burning. It's well, okay. that's probably fine. Your you muscles know? are working. Yeah, good. yeah. Everything's good. My legs are on fire. Cool. That means it's working. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, knowing the difference between discomfort and pain. Yeah. Joint pain, bad muscle pain. Fine. Mm-hmm. Muscles should be working. Joints should not be yeah. hot. Like you said, it's kind of like a slow burn is mm-hmm. fine. And then that hot searing, like yeah. whatever, that's not good. And again, then you ask yourself, am I moving poorly? Am mm-hmm. I just past my threshold? I'm going too fast or too many reps or too much weight. I'm exceeding my threshold of good mechanics. I'm not properly applying intensity to what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And then you just have to make the smart decisions. I think sometimes in a group setting and it's a mistake, people feel like I have to do what's on the board. Right. No, you don't. Or I don't want to bug the coach. Uh, yes, you do. That's literally what they're for. Yeah. <laughs> they're literally, their only job is to be there to help you get the best workout possible. So if nobody ever needed help, what would we do? That would be boring. Yeah. Right? So I know. give the coach something to do and don't get hung up on necessarily what's on the whiteboard. It's a framework, but that's individualizing in a group setting. Yeah. It's helping each person get the right thing for them. So let's say you're, you know, something is sore and you know that lifting a heavy weight isn't good, but you're ready to start incorporating that movement. Mm -hmm. The mistake that people often make is they will lighten the load, but then increase the pace, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say we're doing a workout where the average people that are going heavy are doing six rounds and you go way light and you end up doing nine or 10 or 12 rounds. Now you're potentially doing too much volume, Mm -hmm. which is just as dangerous sometimes more than going heavy. Often when we go heavy, we like, we take the time to set up strong. We really focus on positioning and being efficient and taking our time between reps. If you're just going light and fast, like we're doing Fran, then that's a completely different stimulus and you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you're greatly increasing your risk of injury. So even if you're going to go lighter, still go slow. You should not be doing more volume than the people that are going heavy. Mm -hmm. And you're taking this opportunity to practice good mechanics, not to just go fast and turn your brain off. Right. So like we said, there's for each person and for each tissue, there's just, there's just a maximum amount of volume that Mm -hmm. it can handle. There's also, so that's like in the workout in this hour of the day, there's also how many reps can your tissues withstand on a longer timescale in the week, Mm -hmm. in the month, in the year they need, if you're going to break them down a little bit during the workout, they need adequate time to recover in between. So I really like to prioritize working at intensity. Intensity is earned through good mechanics, consistent training, consistency of those good mechanics, first rep to last, all that kind of stuff. So I rest days are so that I can work at intensity the next day. Right. A huge mistake that we see CrossFitters make is doing constantly varied functional movement executed at high volume. Yeah. And it was all the way back to Greg. This is like the earliest days of CrossFit. Do not be impressed by volume. Be impressed by intensity. I'm much more impressed by a person that works out three days a week moves with really good mechanics and hits it fucking hard than someone that comes in five days a week and goes running and does sweat class and does all these things and then goes, I'm not really sure I'm not getting any fitter. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, cause you're always working at a moderate intensity at high volume. Yeah. And we're back to square one of where we started 25 years ago of people doing less effective fitness. Mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of people training, working out, it's for their mental health, it's to de-stress it's to feel better. And that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's great. But if you overtrain and exhaust yourself and potentially hurt yourself, you're not going to get 
less depressed. You know, you're going to be <laughs> upset that you can't work out anymore. So I think there's a big difference between trying to train out five or six days in a row and doing two or three days in a row and then taking that third day and still doing something for your mental health or for de-stressing that's not going to wreck you for the next few days, mm-hmm. you know, like stretching, like stretching. Yeah. I know everybody hates when we say stretching, myself included, but stretching, doing yoga classes, going for walks, holding planks, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, but it's not another wad, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if you just come in and take it easy, like you're still doing some volume, you're mm-hmm. still, you know, your body's still moving through some stuff. I'll tell you as a programmer, it is basically impossible for me to program in a way that isn't high risk to do more than three days in a row. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of our people like to do Monday to Friday, but you guys are at a higher risk of injury. Yeah. So, you know, measure it, decide yeah. if that's worth it or not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we need to throw Wednesday off in there once in a while if you're a Monday to Friday person, but just know that like you, you get what you earn, right? Mm-hmm. Coach Glassman experimented in the early days of what was the optimal training schedule. Two days on, two days off, one day on, one day off, five days on, two days off, like all these different ways. And what he settled on and what CrossFit.com has been doing for a couple decades since was three days on, one day off. Because he found by the end of the third day, the the athletes were just kind of beat up. And if they tried to come in for the fourth and the fifth day, the intensity just started to decline and the movement quality declined. They're just not feeling like they can hit it hard. Whereas he found if they did three days on, took a rest day, now we're on to like the day five of the cycle, one, two, three, work, four, rest, back on for day five. They could hit it hard on yeah. day five again, and they could prioritize working at intensity. And intensity is the thing that drives results. Yeah. It makes people fitter, stronger for longer, right? Not just like fit in the short term and then injured two years later or burnt out. Mm-hmm. One of the first signs I was thinking when you were talking about people that do exercise for mental health One of the first signs of overtraining is mood and emotional problems. Right. It's not, it's maybe chronic injuries, like chronic pains in certain places, but it's a change because overtraining is functionally a hormonal disruption. So it's a change in your mood and energy. And so if exercise is a coping mechanism, almost any coping mechanism you can think of could, could be taken too far and it becomes self-harm behavior. Right. And so if you're just a chronic over-exerciser, and it seems like a better, you know, stress management technique than drinking every day. But there's a point where it, it goes too far and it becomes self-harm behavior where you're harming your joints, you're harming your hormonal balance, you're harming your mental health mm-hmm. by just grinding, grinding, grinding and not respecting the value of a rest day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's some CrossFit gyms out there that are only open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday. And they yeah. close on Thursday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. But unfortunately we have people that can't make that schedule work, yeah. right? So we are open every day of the week to accommodate everybody's varied schedules, mm-hmm. but you are doing yourself a disservice by training every day of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody Absolutely. should train seven days of the week. Yeah. And somebody asked me not that long ago, like, how often do you train? And I was like, mm, not a, not that much, <laughs> not as much as you might think. Yeah. And looked and be on the whiteboard, how many workouts that I logged. And it was just under, for 2023, my average was just under three a week. Right. It was like 2.9. And I was like, oh, so like on average three days a week. Mm -hmm. And then I'm generally quite active the rest of the time. Lots of walks. We did lots of rucks this summer. I move a lot in my job. And in the process of demonstrating movement coaching classes, I, of course, have to prioritize demonstrating the movements and moving with nothing but ideal technique. Mm -hmm. So I do, in the course of my job, lots of movement and stretching. But then I do a bazillion reps with a PVC. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And every rep I do, I try to put my full brain power into it. And then when I touch a barbell, 
I don't need to touch a, a heavy barbell that often, you know, I can do it and just kind of like toe the line a little bit here and there. Yeah. But I don't have to smash those tissues repeatedly with too much volume. Yeah. You know? I train a little bit more than that. I'm usually four or five days a week, but then I will have weeks where I only train twice or whatever, depending on like just the other day, my knee was a little sore after back squatting. And I think I took three days off. I didn't do anything because mm -hmm. I just wasn't, I was busy and I wasn't feeling on, but usually four or five days a week. And that's a couple of just lifting sessions. And then I usually do three wads. Mm -hmm. Like that's the majority of it. Right. So um, more isn't more, more is often less. Yeah. Prioritize recovery. Not too much volume in any given session and not too much volume in the course of a week or a month or a year. Give yeah. your tissues time to recover. And yeah. I'll tell you what, the older you get, mm -hmm. the longer that interval gets. <laughs> when I was doing CrossFit in my 20s, I could fucking train yeah. eight times a week. I didn't need as much time between training sessions to recover. Yeah. Now that I'm 40, it's different. And I really, really try to prioritize training with intensity. I push weights hard and I can do that because I have good technique. And when it's time to go hard on Fran type things or sprinty type things. I go really hard. Yeah. So when I do train, I train very focused with very high intensity that's earned, but then I value my recovery. I think there's a rest ethic as much as there's a work ethic. And that's what allows, what allows you to maintain a high level of fitness, like well into the latter half of my life. Yeah. I'm not here to just see what's the maximum amount of CrossFit my body can withstand. I'm like a minimum effective dose kind of person. Right. What's the minimum amount of reps and work I can do and maintain a very high level of fitness, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So those hormones levels drop, start dropping. And as you age, like it's harder and harder to recover. So yeah. you just, you have to be smart with, with paying attention to what your body's telling you. And I don't know that it's harder. It's just longer. And you just have to respect that it just needs a bit more time, Yeah, you know, or you can get away with less, which I think kind of bridges us into the last thing was like, what are the things you're getting away with? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is the stuff that people don't tend to think about that increases the risk of injury. And that's all the other lifestyle stuff that you're doing that essentially leads to poor tissue quality. Right. So not getting enough sleep, right? Yep. Sleep is nature's recovery. Sleep is the world's best performance enhancing drug. Yeah. It's when you produce all your growth hormone. Yeah. It's when you do all your anti-aging tissue repair, muscle building, bone growing, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you have a lifestyle where your sleep is disrupted, like we have lots of shift workers, heroes of the world we need them but you just have to understand that you're taking away from the recovery side of things you're going to need more rest in order to be able to train at intensity yeah the interval of how often you can train at intensity is just it's going to be longer if you just have bad habits of staying up too late and scrolling your phone or watching netflix and you're impairing your recovery process because you just have bad sleep hygiene well that you can just deal with <laughs> yeah and I, I think that let's say we're doing a one rep max snatch the next day and you're excited for it and you're ready for it and you want to go do it. And then you just have a horrible sleep. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe today's not the day to be maxing out a snatch, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you have to be like, I'm just, I'm going to keep it at 70% or less. And I'm just going to do some volume. Cause I only got two good hours of sleep last night and I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And then that's fine. Just still, you can still yeah. work out. Just don't expect to be able to apply the same level of intensity with the same level of safety as if you were well rested. Yeah. If you're coming off of one night in particular of poor sleep, just your your coordination is worse. Like yeah. your ability to fire your motor neurons in the right order is going to be worse. So then, like you said, if you're trying to do something that's like a very high coordination movement, like a one rep max snatch, mm -hmm. just know that you're not going to be as sharp. You're not going to be as precise and maybe 
that's not the day yeah. to try to apply maximum intensity to that thing. They did a study where they measured people's reaction time. And at 18 hours, if you're awake for 18 hours, your reaction time is delayed the same level as having a 0.05% level of blood alcohol, which is like, you know, problematic. Mm -hmm. But if you're up for 24 hours, it's the same delayed reaction time as being like over the limit for driving and you shouldn't be on the road and, and that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you are a parent and you're up all night with your kids or you're a shift worker and you, you did a 24 hour shift or whatever, it's like the last thing you need to be doing is things that require a ton of focus and a ton of precise movements. So just be smart when you're making your decisions. Yeah. I always try to have at least one really heavy day in the week. Like I said, I prioritize applying intensity and that's the day I apply load. Mm -hmm. I almost never do those on days that when I've slept less than eight hours on purpose, if I yeah. was like, Oh, I had to be up early today and I slept less than six. I don't go heavy. That's not my heavy day. Yeah. And I try to save it for when I'm more precise. Then there's all the other things that go into, it's kind of like two sides of the coin. So they're increasing inflammation of your tissues, glycation, all that kind of stuff. And then they're also inhibiting the repair process. And that's like the diet mm -hmm. <laughs> type things and alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol ingestion within 24 hours increases your risk of getting injured for a number of reasons. Again, same impairment of coordination and like motor neuron sequencing. So you're just more clumsy and also you're super inflamed. And right. so then your tissues, like I don't drink very often, a few times a year maybe. And the next day I'm always like, God, my knees are achy mm -hmm. and my elbows hurt. I'm like, what is going on? It's just inflammation. Yeah. And so those tissues are more susceptible to injury if you try to push it on those like drinking days or hangover days or whatever. Yep. So if you've been at the lake in the summer and you've been drinking and then you go to do something, <laughs> just be careful, right? Yeah. And then, of course, there's the injuries that happen during drinking. During drinking. <laughs> yeah. This is years and years and years ago. A guy, after several beverages, thought several. He, several, thought he could do a handstand on a pool table and could not and absolutely wrecked his back. Yeah. Falling over the pool table. Yeah. So. Obviously, there's things like that. Don't do dumb shit. Yeah, that's why we we can never have a party at the gym. No, right? because not you, at the gym. Because you can't get a bunch of drug people together with equipment readily available. Yeah. Watch what I can do. Yeah, so things uh, that things that are going to degrade your tissues, high amounts of sugar, mm -hmm. seed oils, alcohol. Basically, you need to make sure you're getting lots of the good stuff and mm -hmm. minimize the bad stuff if you want to be training hard. So lots of collagen, lots of good, healthy proteins and fats and creatine and all the all mm -hmm. the good stuff that makes your joints and tendons and muscles like ready for business mm -hmm. and then minimize the stuff that's just stripping all the good stuff away yeah alcohol increases inflammation but also suppresses REM sleep so then your sleep recovery is much worse anyone that's worn a sleep tracker knows that it's yeah. the worst news so suppresses growth hormone decreases coordination and increases clumsy type injury things yeah sugar ingestion high blood glucose causes glycation of tissues. It's literally where tissues just get coated with cr sugary crystally things. So your tendons and ligaments can get glycated. I saw a study in youth athletes that had high ingestions of sugar, sugary beverages from things like Gatorade at a much higher risk of tendon injuries than athletes that did not drink things like Gatorade. So right. it drives me nuts when youth athletes, they show up for training with their Gatorade and you're like, you're literally just increasing your risk of getting injured and benched for the rest of the season. Yeah. The little bit of salt that that had in it is, and you know, is not 
enhancing your performance enough to yeah. justify that increased risk or the goos and stuff for runners. <laughs> runners are like the most chronically injured people out there. <laughs> yeah. They're fueling with like literally liquid sugar, literally pure sugar. And then the long-term consequences of doing an endurance sport on a high sugar diet is like atherosclerosis, right? Oxidative stress from training too much in the oxidative pathway, chronic inflammation from they never recover rest enough, and then you throw a bunch of sugar onto that fire. And that's how you get there. Like the runner that keels over of a heart attack when he's 56. And you're like, well, that we thought he was so fit. And you're like, yeah, but if you actually like peek under the hood, like what mm-hmm. was happening there wasn't pursuit of health and longevity. Yeah. Right? That was some other thing. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing with all of this, right? Don't look to the, don't look to the CrossFit Games athletes and be like, well, they can do it. Yeah. But they're doing it as a job. Like they're putting their life on the line to do these crazy things. It's like, it's like deciding to be a snowboarder and watching people do like triple backflip, 1080, whatever mm-hmm. stuff and be like, well, if they can do it, I can do this. No, <laughs> they're literally putting their life on the line to do like the craziest. They're pushing the sport to the furthest degree. Mm-hmm. Like we can just focus on longevity and being able to enjoy the process for the whole, for our whole life, you know? Yeah. It's not about taking everything to the maximum. CrossFit is not the CrossFit games. Right. And far too many people don't understand that. We were actually just having this conversation in the gym the other day. And there's this kind of debate about is the CrossFit games good or bad for the perception of what people in the world think CrossFit is. They see things happening at that level and they think, oh, I could never do that. So A, it looks way too intimidating for the average person. But then we were talking about with some of the members were like, I, when I go to CrossFit, it's like a bunch of 40 year old people on their lunch break that just want to be fit and keep up with their kids. You know, (laughs) like half the time there's like a baby and a grandparent, Mm -hmm. you know, just like normal people, normal people that just want to be superhuman fit for them. Yeah. The CrossFit games is like the teeny tiniest little sliver of elite, whatever, whatever way outside what the actual world of CrossFit is all about. But then way too many people in the CrossFit world think that they are that yeah. <laughs> you know they're like well matt fraser eats snickers and drinks coke so i need to eat snickers and drink coke you're like yeah no you don't you're not matt fraser and, and he did that for a short period of time on game like people don't understand the context of it you're like that's not permission to just eat snickers all the time every time you work out yeah. that was like a game day strategy something that he's a professional athlete being compensated to take that risk and he's aware that that's a risk to his long-term health to do that yeah and look at the like the masters athletes at the like the older groups like they're, they're literally held together with tape and equipment. By the end of the weekend, they're wearing a belt for a row. They're so destroyed by the end of that week, and mm-hmm. like those people are so chronically injured. Everything is wrong with them. You know, it's just is that really worth it? I mean, maybe for them, sure. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't know. That's just not. Yeah. That's not what I. I don't want to like hobble everywhere I walk because I'm so banged up all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know. I would rather pay attention to what's going on now and make good choices and not worry about today. Let's worry about the week and the month and the year and focus on um, getting better in the long run. CrossFit has the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum that we've talked about lots of times. Fitness being basically a state of super health or super mm-hmm. wellness, but that we always show it as a half circle, but it certainly could be a full circle. It could, it's called a continuum because it could continue. We could go past fitness or super health and start to go backwards towards sickness, right? Mm-hmm. You start to get injured and you start to make diet choices that aren't in line with long-term health. And you start to make training program choices like training more often and not enough recovery that aren't in line with long-term health. And you push through injuries and you slap a belt on it and you throw a knee sleeve on it and you throw a lifting shoe on it. And you know, all of those things move you further away from 
long-term health, not towards it. Yeah. So we're all in it for hopefully the long run and we just need to make our choices based around that. Yeah. That's what we do. We do fitness for the long term mm-hmm. for life. Okay. So if you, how to get injured, how to get injured is to move with poor mechanics yep. on all movements, not just the heavy ones yep. and yep. especially the lighter, easier ones. Just as sloppy as possible. <laughs> go super fast. Yeah. Not even as sloppy as possible, but even slightly sloppy, even 5% off is yeah. going to catch up with you at some point. If you're prioritizing speed over, you know, anything else, then you're probably not moving. Well. If you're applying intensity, you haven't earned yeah, because you don't have good mechanics or consistent training. Yeah. I think asterisk, something that I haven't highlighted there, I've said consistent training a few times. You can't take three weeks off the gym and show up and do Murph. Right. You're going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get rhabdo is how you're going to hurt yourself. You know, you can't like Atlas, not deadlift for eight weeks and show up and max out your deadlift. That's intensity you haven't earned yeah. through consistency. We think consistency means, oh, you have to move well all the time. Yes, but you have to show up to the gym mm-hmm. consistently too. Yeah. So as much as we were talking about, there's one cohort of people that don't take enough rest days. There's another cohort of people that are so sporadic that there's too long between training sessions. Yeah. There's a just right Goldilocks zone. Shouldn't train five days in a row. Also shouldn't train five days in the month, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Three to five days a week is ideal with the rest days sprinkled in between. Yeah. But if you're that person that tends to have these long gaps, then you got to know when you come in, you don't, you have less intensity that you're able to apply that day. So we got poor mechanics. We got not enough recovery. Yeah. Let's throw in too much recovery, too much rest time <laughs> and too much volume in a day, in a week, in a month, just training past the capacity of your tissues, just too much. And then all the lifestyle factors, not sleeping well, drinking too often, poor diet, too much sugar, too much processed food, refined carbohydrates, seed oils, not enough of the collagen building amino acids, the B vitamins you need to make energy and make DNA, the proteins, the quality amino acids you need from animal foods the healthy fats, the saturated fats you need to make your hormones like testosterone and estrogen and keep all of your tissues nice and soft and supple and with lots of capacity to handle volume and movement and all that kind of thing. Right. Okay. So that's it. How to get injured. How to get injured. Move like shit, train too much, eat like shit, sleep like shit. You only get one ride. Take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) To not get injured, move well, be consistent, value recovery, eat well, sleep well. Yeah. There you go. Easy peasy. Easy. Thanks, guys. See you in the next one.